1: This is Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine, and I'm John Wiener. Now it's time to talk about TV in the age of the virus, news you can use from The Nation magazine podcast, Start Making Sense. For today's top picks, we turn to John Powers. He's critic at large for Fresh Air with Terry Gross on NPR, and he was a longtime film critic for Vogue and before that for the L.A. Weekly John, welcome back. I'm happy to be here. Well, there's a new season of one of my favorite shows, and the first episode is fabulous. I'm talking about The Good Fight. It's on something called CBS All Access. It's about life in a Chicago law firm, sort of, and it, it stars Christine Baranski, Delroy Lindo, and a wonderful woman I didn't know before, Kush Jumbo. Is that how you pronounce her name? Before we talk about the new season, let's talk about where this show came from. It's it's a sequel of sorts to The Good Wife, which was a long running lawyer show on regular network TV.
2: Yes, I mean, it, and that was in fact a show that I didn't watch. Everybody I knew watched it, but somehow I didn't. Maybe because in my job, I I came to it late and was so many episodes behind <laughs> that I realized I could never catch up to review it. My, 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 my producer at Fresh Air, who loved the show, once wanted me to do it, and I realized that I had 190 hours to catch up on <laughs> before I could do it, and I, I told her I couldn't do that. But, in fact, this is the, I guess, the spin-off from it, and what's especially interesting about it is that in the move from network to CBS All Access, the show got vastly more daring and went from, from being a very solid network show I mean an excellent network show to being maybe the, the most interesting show about the Trump era on any available server.
1: We're now at the beginning of season four. The first episode let's set the scene here, bit here. The first episode of season one opens as our hero played by Christine Baranski, a powerful middle-aged woman attorney, is alone in her living room watching Donald Trump's inaugural address on TV and seeing it, I have to say, is almost unbearable for us and for her too. And she promptly decides that to retire and move to France, where she has enough money to buy a beautiful house in Provence. And, but then the plot unfolds that she has lost all the money she got because of a Madoff like investment advisor. And that is all of season one is occupied with the Madoff story. Many things happen at the firm. And that takes us to the new season, season four, the opening here recalls the opening of season one.
2: Yes. You know, and in the new season, what happens is basically she's watching, except the thing is that she realizes that Trump's winning has been a bad dream, that in fact, that Hillary Clinton won the election and that this incredibly vivid thing that seemed to have gone on for years, in fact, wasn't real. It was the, the nightmare that she thought it was. And she goes into the office where she's asking people, so who's president? And they're all saying Hillary Clinton, of course. And she says, how long? And they say three years. And in fact, she's now entering the world, which what she thinks is the happy world that she wanted in the first place because she was a Hillary lover and supporter of Hillary Clinton being president and everything is going to be good. You know, this this is the happy result. You didn't get Trump. You got Hillary
1: Clinton. But then she goes to a meeting of the partners who we know well from the last three years, and they're all talking about the scandals. Can you believe Benghazi is still, you know, going and she got a $500
2: haircut. Who gets a $500 haircut? This is an outrage. It's a great, it's a great joke that, you know, that that in fact, even if she'd won, you still get the same things you've been hearing forever, you know, because the Hillary story is always the same story. Yes, well, they're talking about the scandals and they're talking about needing money. Because, in, in fact, their, their law firm is in a little bit of trouble because of the, of the tax increases that Hillary had put through had damaged some of their clients who, who then were, do, were doing things. So, that in fact, they were, fa- they were facing economic hardship. And then, and in what, is, what I think the great touch is that she starts realizing that if Hillary had won, all sorts of things she cares about, and in fact, aren't working, most particularly the me too thing where because a woman has taken power the official story basically in the culture that the hillary people want is that everything is swell because in fact we have a woman president and now and things have worked out for women so that the me too thing is an inconvenience and it gets even worse than that should we say more (laughs) may may say what's great about this show is that its irony cuts in many directions so that given that you're doing the fantasy alternative reality in which trump loses and the person you wanted to win wins most other shows would just make a series of jokes about that and about trump whereas in fact i don't think there's a single joke about trump in the entire episode the meanest joke in the entire thing i won't give it away is about the obamas In in fact, there's a very, a very great crack about the Obamas in it, and that what it's all about is getting what you want, and you've made history in the way you think you wanted to make history, and then all sorts of things that you care about aren't being taken care of, and that things boomerang so that in, in in the broadest thing, she has to work Basically, on behalf of Harvey Weinstein, who, from the earlier seasons, she knows is Harvey Weinstein the sexual, the sexual predator we know him to be. The, the irony is so wonderful. And this is one of the things about this show is that all the way through the series, nothing is ever quite just one thing. Things cut in many directions all the time. And all the way... I've seen the first four episodes of the new season. I'm a critic. I get to see, the, I get to see things a little bit in advance. And you think, oh, wow, this is going to be about this. And it is about that. But then it spins off in other directions. And the point of the thing isn't quite what you think the point is going to be. Uh, Let's talk for a little bit about the actors on this who
1: are so wonderful. First of all, the central character is a woman of a certain age. And she's not a grandmother. She's not a wise old lady who's lovable, but, uh, you know, uh, secondary figure. And then there's the fantastic Delroy Lindo. We should say that that uh, the Christine Baranski character is a partner in a black law firm in Chicago, which gives it a certain frisson, let us say. And then let's talk also about Kush Jumbo, somebody I'd never seen before, who's a bit mysterious in terms of exactly what kind of person of color she is.
2: Oh yes, no, I mean it's it's, it's it is hard it is hard to know, you know, that she is could be biracial, you know, just from her look. Um, and and in fact, she, she's one of those kind of floater type people you don't quite know how to pin down. And because she also works in divorces, she's less politically obvious in in certain ways. You know, and one of the interesting things was, you know, that one of the members of, you know, the, one of the characters from the black law firm is basically a conservative judge as the new season begins. You know, and, you know, because the show is smart enough to allow there to be as there is in reality a range of african-american people rather than just one type of african-american person and we should also add that the other partner is played by audrey mcdonald who i think you know that this is a show that has an an extraordinary number of tony winners um, (laughs) performing in the cast and baransky's won two i think audrey mcdonald's won six Mm -hmm. along the way i mean this is a strong thing and about the baransky character you know she's in her 60s in real life she's playing a sexual woman who microdoses who's politically involved and isn't any of the clichés of a person of that age which is which is which is wonderful to see
1: and uh, let's emphasize this season is not a fantasy show or a sci-fi show even though there are Billboards for the show all over our town of Los Angeles, uh, on the sides of all the buses, and they all say the same thing, What is Memo 618, which has a kind of a sci-fi uh, feel to it, but this is not a sci-fi show. No, it's not a sci-fi
2: show. I think what happened was the show had been around long enough that it could do that it could do what many shows have done like Breaking Bad which is do the, a playful stylized episode. And I think that what they thought was, and I, I, I'm just projecting here or in in speculating is that they were known for being such an anti-Trump show that they thought it would be fun to do the thing where Hillary wins and play with it. But of course, what happens is at the the end of that show, the alternative reality stops existing. And by the time you come back to episode two, Donald Trump is president again. (laughs) And this is where you get the mysterious memo 618, who in the second episode, which is also shown, is used against one of Diane Lockhart, that's the Bransky character's clients, yet we don't know what it is. And I can tell you through the first four episodes, you know, she starts pursuing it, yet this is going to be the mystery of the season. You know, what is memo 618 is the question they're also asking on the show, as well as on the side of the buses here in Los Angeles. And all we see
1: all we learn about this in the second episode is that it provides a way for powerful people to avoid being subject to the legal system. And how does this happen? Well, it, it does touch on certain real events involving Trump's uh, cronies in the last couple of years. So I'm very excited it, to see what happens.
2: It is, yes. And, and, and clearly the theme of it is the corruption of the legal system. At one point, I can tell you in a future, episode, I think this is, I don't think this is a spoiler, is that Diane Lockhart says that this is different than politics. This isn't a political dispute. This is actually the corruption of the legal system, which can be political, but is something larger than politics. Because if, if, if the legal system is corrupted, then everything's gone. You know, in the same way that really there's, there's politics to the virus, Yet at a fundamental level, the virus is independent of, of politics. You know, the, the po- it takes politics to deal with it, but it's doing its stuff anyway. Similarly, the corruption of the legal system is, is kind of like that sort of huge virus in the entire system. So we
1: Talking about the good fight on CBS All Access, there's 30 episodes, more than 30 episodes, 32 episodes out there right now uh, that we strongly recommend, maybe the best show that's ever been about life in the Trump years. There's another show we wanna recommend, something completely different. It's a French spy series called The Bureau. Last year you had to pay for it, but now it's free on Sundance Now all four seasons, there's 40 episodes right now. Tell us about the Bureau on Sundance Now.
2: Yes. Well, the, the Bureau basically deals with, with a group of French secret agents. The Bureau de- more or less handles the people who get sent out under fake names to, to, to work as agents in other countries. The show is based in Paris and begins where one of their great secret agents, a guy named Malotru, played by the actor Matthew Kasavitz, who's, who's really great, and he's kind of the super brilliant agent, has been called back in. And the next 40 episodes, I think, more or less follow from the consequences of bringing Malotru back into the office. And what you get is a, probably a, a French version of a John le Carre thing, where you have events and acts, you know, and people going abroad and doing secret agent stuff, but a huge amount of the show has to do with inter-office politics, the interactions of the people working behind the scenes, the day-to-day life, how things actually work inside a spy agency as, as distinct from people just out there spying, like, say, James Bond or something. The, the show centers on the office and then shoots out and you deal along the way with things that, you know, that are, I think are different for Americans because the French sense of their foreign power that it will be North Africa, where you'll have a story. I mean, there will be Russia, but but there's also the Middle East where the, where the French occupy a different position than the United States or Britain. They're fascinated with those stories. And so along, as I say, you get ISIS, you get Ru- you get Russian computer people, you get North African secret police, and you get all of that. But meanwhile, back at home, you have all the people jockeying for power. You, you, ha- you have the people searching to try to t- track down traitors. And then you have the figure of Malotru, who in fact is the genius agent, but is a kind of a rogue because in a classic French fashion, much of the entire plot is inspired because he's madly in love with a woman <laughs> and wants to save her. And so there's the, that core of French romance. But the detail work is great the characters are spectacular. The spies aren't all male, which I think is an interesting thing. In some ways, the most endangered one is, 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 is the character named Marianne, who we see at different times go to both Iran and Russia as an, as an undercover agent. It's just a really great show. Probably the best thing, aside from John le Carre, about spies that I've ever seen and and in some of the episodes are every bit as good as the John le Carré things like Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy
1: and incredibly suspenseful and shot in incredibly interesting and far away places you wonder what did they do for Iraq what did they do for the Syrian civil war with the Kurdish fighters a f- fantastic segment the suspense is incredible and and the settings are fascinating
2: Oh, yeah, the sentence is fascinating. And it does the stuff which you really want in a show, which is it gives you all that interesting historical stuff. And yet you are interested in and care about the characters who are all beautifully acted. You know, I mean, the French bench of good character actors is astonishingly deep if you watch French movies. And there are people that you've seen in French movies turning up here with slightly bigger roles because it's television. And every single one of them is really, really great. And you worry about what's going to happen to the people, which is which is wonderful. People you like die along the way, which is partly makes it a good show. You know, they don't all live forever. So you, ha- you have to worry because people do die on the show because it's a dangerous job. <laughs> and it shows you French imperialism at work as well. Their sense of entitlement in doing the stuff is, you know, their version of what the Brits had and what we have.
1: Anything else you can recommend to fill all those hours at home, waiting for the all clear signal to sound? Yes, well, there's, there's a book I would like to
2: plug a little bit. Um, it, it's, it's a book called Please. Made in Saturn by a Dominican musician and famous queer activist, I guess, named Rita Indiana. And what it's about is, it's, it, and the story, it's a novel called Made in Saturn, and it's about a drug addicted artist from, from the Dominican Republic, who gets sent for a cure to Cuba, which sounds like the worst thing ever. When, you know, when I got sent the galley, I thought, I wouldn't li- read this book if I lived forever. And then I started reading it, and it's a very witty, smart, sympathetic portrait of what it's like to grow up as the children of revolutions, when the revolutions have curdled, and in fact, they are no longer idealistic. So it's about both the Dominican Republic and Cuba. And it's Sympathetic from the inside, but it actually takes you inside what it's like to grow up in those places as the child of someone whose father was a revolutionary, but is now powerful in the government. It's witty. It's smart. It's touching. Rita Indiana is a really, really good writer, as well as being a pop star and, you know, famous. She's known in, in the Dominican Republic as La little the monster. But in fact, she writes incredibly well. It's, it's from a small press called And Other Stories. And I think it would have gotten attention, but I think so much of the world has been taken over by coronavirus, that to be a small press book, no matter how good, from a Dominican writer means that you won't have any hope. Our audience is the perfect audience for this, because it really is about dealing with, with the results of revolutions and revolutionary desire and living with it. So to review, we've been talking about The Good
1: Fight on CBS All Access, more than 30 episodes there, The Bureau on Sundance Now, 40 episodes, and the novel Made in Saturn by Rita Indiana. This has been News You Can Use from the Nation Magazine podcast, Start Making Sense. John Powers, thanks for all your help. Always a pleasure, John.